You're listening to the Bride Chilla Podcast, helping bride chillas and groom chillas plan their wedding minus the bullshit, one podcast at a time. Welcome to episode 288, very nice even number of the Bride Chilla Podcast. This is all about planning your wedding without losing your shit. Very eloquently put. I'm Alicia. I'm the founder of Bride Chiller. If you are new to this podcast, as I know a lot of you may be, we've had a very nice week of new members in our private Facebook group, the Bride Chiller community. I know lots of people joined and said, I've never heard of this before. What's going on? Uh, welcome. And uh, I'm delighted to have you on board. We have, gosh, I'd say now over like 320, 330 episodes of the show in our back catalogue. So if you're new and perhaps you've burned through all of the iTunes or uh, Android freebies, then let me just put you at ease and say there are plenty more episodes in our app. You can subscribe for a very reasonable cost and uh, I'd be delighted if you did that. (laughs) Uh, Today's episode, quite excited as well. I'm very excited about a lot of things because that's what I am. I'm an optimistic, enthusiastic, enthusiastic Australian. I live in London and not to diss Londoners, but people can be pretty shitty and miserable. So I try and up the optimism almost to the point of being annoying just to beat that miserable vibes, especially as winter is coming and uh, everyone seems to get more angry and grim. Today's episode is featuring a lovely wedding planner, Emily Sullivan. I'm really looking forward to bringing you this interview. Emily specializes in planning intimate and small weddings. She's found a niche or a niche if you're in Australia or anywhere else. And it's great to hear her feedback. I know there's been a lot of chat in the Facebook group, the Bride Chiller community, about people realizing that they don't want to have a 200-person wedding, that perhaps they need to shift their perspective and just cut the list down and have 50 people or 20 people or four people. So it's great to be able to talk to a professional, hear her advice about some of the options that you have, and it's really great. She organizes some pretty cool events. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to you know, cut your budget if you want to, great, but some of her ideas are really cool and very memorable, full stop. Before we jump into that, I would like to share a couple of emails that I've received over the past few weeks, especially, especially starting with Tracy. I say Tracy because that just reminds me of an Australian thing, but I know Tracy is in Nevada. So hello, Tracy. Thank you so much in advance for this freaking fabulous email. Alicia, I'm a bride chiller. Woo woo! Sorry for your ears. I'm getting married on uh, February the 17th, 2018. Good. I've been lacking my normal motivation to work out. I eat right and have been on a three-year mission to be healthy. Good. Your podcast from January on body image really kicked me into a more positive mindset about myself as it relates to my wedding. This is really music to my ears. Can I just say this? Uh, She says, I was really angry with myself for not going hard and working out every day in preparation for my special day. Your podcast really reminded me that I love myself. I am beautiful, healthy, and totally in love with my fiancé. He loves me for who I am and wouldn't have it any other way. Thank you for putting me in check and returning me to my fabulous, healthy self. And what I love is that Tracy is a mental health counsellor. And hearing that from her, fuck, man, I'm delighted because I know personally I 
I am really uh, healthy-minded, probably to the point not of being too healthy-minded, but sometimes I don't cut myself slack. And cake, if cake is presented, say at a work function, I may go, you know what, is this cake worthy of my ass? I don't know. But then sometimes I'm like, for the fuck's sake, Alicia, eat the cake. And I know I work really hard with my day job and then I do bride chiller stuff and at this sort of juncture where Rich and I are working really hard to try and produce some books, two, some books, my books, and also try and get our wedding planning course up. We've got a lot of plates being spun and I'm very aware of being good to myself and being healthy. So I want to say to you, Tracy, you, your, this is meta, your email saying that you weren't going to punish yourself for going hard actually really affected me in a positive way because I'm also very aware of going to do my workouts, being chiller fit, making myself feel good. And this is not just for weight loss or anything else. I find exercise such a valuable part of my mental health, positive mental health. But also if I miss a workout or I go a couple of like four or five days and I haven't gone to do a class or I haven't had a jog somewhere, I start to sort of beat up on myself a little bit so I think sometimes you have to prioritize and go hey it's okay you just do what you can yes turn up yes be healthy be mindful of that sort of attitude but you don't have to go crazy every single day the other thing I really appreciated from Tracy's comment and I wanted to maybe this is another episode maybe maybe I'll expand more later but the one thing I know is finding activities that really you enjoy because that what's that's what takes you back I love a pump class I'm I'm a really fan of the Beachbody programs I've got Beachbody on demand on my uh, Apple TV and I know I can I don't have to leave the house I can do some weights or I can do some yoga or Pilates I love this stuff but also that I know my body as I'm getting older I don't need to do 50 days of cardio that's not even a real thing five days of cardio I know that my body reacts really well to weights and uh, like HIIT training, which I actually enjoy doing more. I love lifting a weight. I love a bit of yoga. So I think it's also about embracing things that you enjoy and things that your body works well with. So if you're at the stage of wanting to be more healthy and mindful of exercise and your body in general, then I just really implore you to find an activity that you enjoy doing. Maybe it's going to play netball on a Tuesday night. I don't know. But it doesn't mean you have to go to the gym and sweat like a mother every day. It doesn't necessarily do better for your body. So thank you, Tracy. Thank you for that little reminder because sometimes I know I'm a bit hard on myself and it's not about, it shouldn't be about that. It should be about feeling good and feeling healthy. I wanted to say a big thank you to all our Bride Chiller community members this week, which is last week when you're listening to this. Maybe it's five years ago <laughs> if you're listening to this uh, as a subscriber. But there was an article. There's actually been a few articles. We had a really positive week with an amazing article that was printed in the New York Post about being a Bride Chiller. And I have to say thank you to the journalist, Gillian, who wrote that article. And she interviewed a couple of fabulous Bride Chillers for that and I'm very grateful for their positive comments, but also just reading about how much the community has helped them. And in contrast, like we were on a high going, we're in the fucking New York Post. This is amazing. How great is this for our community? How great is this for our movement? And then in the same space, like just two days, 
we had Brides Magazine wrote this piece of shit article, and, and not even piece of shit, the, the writing was great, but it was such a weird, negative, uh, I don't even know what to say. It was about being a bride chiller, but it was the, the like, most opposite interpretation of what everyone listening to this, all our members, would say being a bride chiller is. The, the, the very cliched, typical response from mainstream media at the moment not all, but some, is that being a bride chiller means you're slack, you don't care, you are indecisive, you don't have any real plan, there's no direction. And I know 100% of our members, 100% of our listeners do not fit into that category. So it really gets my goat when I read that because I think, well, we're building a movement here and it sucks that some people aren't getting it. But also to twist it around, we're building a movement here. And not everyone gets movement. So it's nice to see and fabulous to read all of your comments. And I love that people, you know, I certainly didn't, um, people jumped on this before I did, but went and, and commented on the bride's Facebook page and just went, this is not quite right. Maybe we could talk a little bit more about why this is possibly not the best interpretation of what we're trying to do. Because also, as one lovely bride chiller commented saying, when you start adding labels to people, which is what I have a problem with Bridezilla because I actually think it's a completely misinterpreted, awful label that people are placing upon women especially, saying if you have an opinion, if you speak out, if things aren't going right for you and you voice it, and yes, there are some people that can be voicing it in a really inappropriate, sad way, but often Bridezilla's quote, not my, not my phrase, are people who don't feel like they can communicate. They can't uh, maybe put their vision into words, aren't being listened to, they've got a lot of pressure in their lives, this ridiculous push for perfection that we know doesn't exist. I feel really sad that we've created this beast that doesn't really exist and that the mainstream wedding media fucking love to talk about bridezillas. And then they shit on a really good idea which is a really positive movement of saying, let's empower each other, let's do what we want, let's not feel pressured, let's not feel this huge consumerist drive if we don't want to. I'm certainly not against buying shit. You know, I love buying shit. Just bought a TV this morning, by the way. Really excited about that. But I feel sad that this label has now been tarnished because you go oh so you can't be an outspoken person but god forbid you be relaxed and enjoy the process and not freak out because then your bride chiller in their interpretation is negative so it drives me completely balmy and i just wanted to say thank you to everyone that sort of started commenting on things because it made me really proud of this community and i just felt super stoked that there's just such a bunch of sassy broads who went "Uh uh-uh this is not on so thank you. And also, it spurred Erica and I, lovely Erica, who you heard on last week's episode, who helps me so much in running this community. And we just went, well, we have to write our own interpretation of what is a bride chiller to try and get it out there. And I'm kicking myself we haven't done this earlier. But hopefully we can get it, uh, we're going to put it in the HuffPost community blog and hopefully it'll get picked up and we're going to spread the word. So when that goes out, I will post it. Um, in the community, on the Facebook page and Twitter, and hopefully we can share it and get it out there and shut this shit down. All right, that is enough from me. I would like to move on to the interview section of today's episode. I will say finally, if you're not a member of the Facebook community, jump on board. It's a freaking amazing place. 
I would literally sit on that community all day if I could make money out of it and pay our rent. (laughs) I do log on at work and sometimes I start writing, like typing a little, like I want to write comments and I write back really fast. And sometimes colleagues have gone, wow, you are so busy. You're typing a lot. (laughs) It's really bad, but I pretend I'm like, I furrow, furrow my brow. I, you know what I'm trying to say. I look, I do a George Costanza. I look a little annoyed and busy and a bit like really focused when really I'm just writing a comment back or posting a funny gif. But I like the reverse psychology that people won't bother you if you look really busy. So that's generally what I'm doing at work. Love you, workmates. Kisses. All right, on to today's episode. Emily Sullivan from uh, Emily Sullivan Events talking all about intimate weddings, how you can shut down the big ideas and also just adding lovely personal details to events that perhaps you wouldn't be able to do if you're having a 200-person wedding. Bride chillers and groom chillers, this is my song to sing to you. Don't have a big wedding, just get smaller. That was a terrible song and uh, you should expect nothing less. Very excited and very timely. I love when things just work out. Very excited today to be welcoming the lovely Emily Sullivan from Emily Sullivan Events. Uh, Thank you so much, Alicia, for having me. I'm excited to come talk about this. I'm excited. We, we Today, Emily is joining me to talk about the rise of intimate weddings. And I say it's very timely, Emily, because in our lovely Facebook community, the Bride Chiller community, we have had quite a few messages recently about people reaching a point where they say, why am I inviting 200 people to my wedding? I don't even really like 200 people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And having this moment of realization that there are other options. So when we got in touch, when you got in touch with me and we were talking about this, I was like, this is perfect timing and I think very relevant. So thank you so much for joining thank me you. on the show. Um, Emily, tell me a little bit about w- where you started in the wedding world, what you do and uh, how you came to be talking to me today. <laughs> okay. Well, I just celebrated 11 years in event planning. And Woo-hoo. so I know I still kind of look back and am surprised to myself that this whole thing worked out. Um, but I sort of fell into wedding planning. I live in New Orleans. And after Hurricane Katrina, I was looking to kind of make some changes. I was having my first child. And mm-hmm. I, at the time, worked for a cosmetics company and said, hey, I'm going to do some makeup for brides. And then mm. One sort of said, you're really organized. Do you want to do my day of coordination? And I said, yes. And and that was 11 years ago and I've never looked back. And so uh, just a really natural fit, I think, because hospitality is my spiritual gift. And so I just (laughs) like to make people feel good. And so, you know, it it was a good fit. Um, We started back, like I said, following Hurricane Katrina. And so destination weddings have kind of been my business predominantly. So I do about 95% destination New Orleans weddings. I do some destination in other places and then um, occasionally work with a local client as well. So we we mostly do a destination, which is weird because it's kind of transitioning into that more intimate wedding now too. Mm. And then last year we started intimate weddings by Emily, which are all-inclusive intimate wedding packages that are specifically for people who want smaller events. This is really interesting because I think I'm seeing a real wave in this idea that this downsizing basically and and it's not always financially 
connected. You're right. You're right. It's, it's sometimes just going, damn it, we don't really want to have this huge affair. And even some people saying, I'll spend exactly the same amount of money I would have spent on a 200-person wedding but have a wedding with 20 oh, people. Goodness. You know, one of my favorite comparisons to make to people to kind of get that point across is that we did about four years ago. This is kind of how the, the process of intimate weddings started for us. We did a six-person wedding that had a $50,000 budget and it Whoa. was amazing. <laughs> oh, so, let's just, let's just pause and talk about this wedding. Right? What, what, what? It was an experience. I mean, it was a, <laughs> it was a full day of experience and, and those six people got hair and makeup, you know, they got wined and dined and they had all sorts of different, more intimate type of entertainment from special guests. And it was just a really intimate one room, you know, very special event, but we didn't, you know, cut corners at all. And that's when it kind of started to occur to me that this is what people want sometimes. Like they really want the people that they want to be there. Mm-hmm. And that's what's important. And and I think historically people have thought, okay, my wedding is a success based on how big it is. If I don't have 300 people or 200 people, well then it's not, it's not successful or whatever. And that's just not the case. We, we do all different sizes, but our, our primary, even for full service is between 75 and a hundred this year. Mm. Like we, we only have a few that are above that. I like that you just made the point about this quote about the success of my wedding. Cause I think that perfectly sort of captures the theme of today of, of sort of saying, and especially in our bride chiller community, that the success of your wedding shouldn't you shouldn't give a fuck about what anyone else thinks. Sorry You're about exactly my language. Right. But it well, should be it, about what you want. Exactly. And I think the transition from that comes from the fact that most clients, most millennial modern day clients are paying for the event themselves. Yeah. So they don't feel like they have to please everybody, invite everybody's friends. Like mm-hmm. mom and dad's all their friends don't get to come anymore. Same thing when it goes to groom's parents or, you know, whoever whoever the extra people are. They just don't feel as obligated. To, to invite them when they're putting the bill for it. I've got a new thing, Emily. I'm calling I, – I've got a book coming out in the next, well, hopefully a couple of months, uh, and I've called parents and relatives that give you money wedding donors, yes. and I've sort of likened it to political donors that say, no, we just support your cause. We want to give you money because we love you or we believe in whatever you believe in. Mm-hmm. But there's always a catch, and I'm not saying always. it's like – Yeah, and I don't – I think some people hear me say it and think that I mean that it's it's a it's an obvious you do this or we take the money away, which some people are like that and that sucks. But mm-hmm. there seems to be always underlying things that they want to invite someone else or they want an opinion mm-hmm. about tablecloths and sometimes or it's open just, bars or yes. you know, whatever it is, yeah. whatever it is. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I really find that even my I, even I'm more drawn to police people when I know they're paying for it. Of course, you know, if a parents are dropping. $60,000, it's hard to tell them that they can't do something that they want to do. What do you think the way, just with your experience, and I always love speaking to planners because I think you have such a, a great insight into all stages from the you know very first ideas of what people want to then seeing it all come through and then also having the sometimes pleasure and sometimes awful job of seeing how shit some family members can be on the day or around the event. What are some of your observations about how to 
handle wedding donors and, and opinions, especially when it comes to making a decision like you're saying about saying, hey, we don't want a 200-person wedding. We just want 20 people and parents flipping out because it's a bit weird and different and new. Right. Well, I mean, my first advice is to hire a wedding planner. Yeah, I couldn't <laughs> I agree more. Always, and, and no matter what the size of your wedding is, 20 people or 200 people, hire a wedding planner. It's accessible yeah. to everybody now. A good wedding planner. Um, but I always joke that my main job is managing emotions. That's mm. what I do for a living. And so being in the middle of that and help kind of walking through those conversations with people, it, people just want to be heard. And so if you just, you know, if you listen to what they say and then you respond, I, I find that just open communication goes a long way when you're dealing with people yeah people just want to be heard that's such a great thing to just remember that it doesn't mean you have to do what they say but if right. you at least or, acknowledge... or included. they want to be included in the process even mm. you know for whatever reason so if you just treat them kindly and, and listen to what they're saying again you don't ultimately have to do it but it no. just feels like they're having a part in it so let's talk a little bit about this idea of of intimate weddings, especially your your sort of evolution of your business, I suppose, going into this this sort of wedding. Can mm-hmm. we go through a little bit about the pros, especially of of considering this, and and also just to tack on? I know I mentioned before about um, people in our community, and I, I found one of the um, lovely Bridechilla Bridget sort of said that she asked the the community about eloping or having an intimate wedding instead of really shifting gears and instead of having a bigger wedding um and and she was sort of asking the community their opinion but she made the point that we made earlier on that it's maybe she's happy to keep the budget but maybe uh downgrade the amount of people so tell me a little bit about how you see the success of intimate weddings compared to maybe just going oh just invite everyone get it done Well, I think historically, you know, elopements or intimate wedding packages have been thought of as being cheaper. So they've Mm -hmm. been like, okay, here's this all-inclusive package for you. And it's kind of a one for all type package. Mm -hmm. Our packages don't really work that way. They're still geared towards being customizable. So you're still getting the food you want, the photographer you want, the venue you want. You're just um, getting to stretch that dollar a little bit more because Mm -hmm. I think probably as people are getting into wedding planning, they're starting to understand that the most expensive part of the the entire budget is going to be on food and And so when you start to take away even 50 people, 100 people, you're making a massive difference in your budget and you're able to really get some of those more special things that you maybe couldn't afford before that. So we're finding that with our intimate weddings, they're not negotiating on the quality at all. If anything, Mm. the quality is going up. They're having these awesome seated dinners. They're having really massive floral arrangements because you can get the decor you want when you're only having four tables versus having... 25 tables. So, um, I even have one, I have an intimate wedding today. who's for 25 people and they hired a $6,000 band because they're like, we, <laughs> these are our best friends. We want them to have the most fun. And so they went out and splurged and got this great new Orleans band. And, and I think that's what it says. We are here with all the people we love the most mm-hmm. and we want to show them this awesome time and not, you know, hold back on, on the budget, but we just don't want to spend money and, and kind of have all of these excess people and not have any room left over for for fun things. There will be more of Emily Sullivan talking all about having an intimate wedding, ditching the big wedding and potentially organising something smaller that suits your needs. This is the Bride Chiller podcast. Visit thebridechiller.com for more information and to just look at pictures of me. 
Emily, how do you think then uh, if someone has decided and they've come to you and they've decided to have the smaller event, let's talk about the guest list because I know it becomes one of the most contentious issues about how to decide, you know, who to pick. And I know it's obviously an very independent individual decision, but what's your advice about who to choose for these events, these smaller events? Well, I think that you have to be fair. You know, you can't... um, choose one side over the other. You really have to be cautious about that. I was having a conversation last week with one of my new clients who isn't having an intimate wedding, but her brother did. And he ended up eloping or inviting like 20 people all from the bride's side of the family and none of his. And so it was a surprise to his whole family. They didn't know they weren't invited. And it's still a point of contention within their family. So I think you have to be considerate to both families and both sides. Um, and, and you have to make a stopping point at some mm. point. You know, you, And that's the same thing for destination events too. You know you're not going to be able to invite everyone. So you have to have kind of a rule of we're going to have our immediate families, but we're not inviting cousins. Or we're going to have our best friends, but we're not inviting childhood friends. Or, you know, whatever it is. It's, intimate weddings most likely and more often than not are the people that you're really close to at this point in your life. Mm. So you're not really going back to other times of your life where you maybe don't talk to those people as often now. It's more about who you're close to right now and that's who they're inviting. We got, we were given, and I repeat it over and over again, but I think it's such a great piece of advice that, you know, your guest list should be people that you see in your future, not just people that are from your Mm -hmm. past. And that's great advice. Yeah, and it's always stuck with me. And I, I think, you know, we, there's so many discussions in our community about people sort of saying, oh, but I was friends with her in college, but I don't really speak to her, but we made this vow. And it's like, well, you know, drunk promises to me don't mean anything. And I feel like we, the obligation, the, the, the weight of obligation, if we could remove that, we'd be so much lighter, like emotionally mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. physically probably. Um, So, you know, I, I love that that when you say, all right, we're just going to have 20 people, that you really hone in on who those people are meaningful and why they... People you talk to every day, people that are important. Yeah, because it's great to say, you know, I haven't caught up with Carol for 15 years, but we were great friends in college. And you go, great, we'll go and have a cocktail with her one day after work. (laughs) And it it is somewhat easier for my clients, and and this is something I I think people should consider, because they're destination events. So Mm -hmm. because we're planning for particular destinations, it's easier to tell people you're going to keep it small. Whereas if you're having it at home and you're just saying, I'm only going to have 20 people, it's a lot harder Mm. to keep that, keep that on track. So I had a little story to share with you. I, um, my friend, uh, friends Joy and Mark got married in Sydney. In, this is about uh, five or six years ago now, and we were invited to their wedding, and they only invited 20 people, but they got married in the Sydney Harbour um, at a, a restaurant called Key, which is has been you know named the best restaurant in Australia a few times. It is amazing, Emily. Oh, my God. But I remember Joy saying, I just wanted – a kick-ass meal. She's a real foodie. Right. Yes. And this is still the one of the best meals I've ever had in my entire life. We talk about Honestly, this meal. Honestly, that's how I envision my own wedding being. <laughs> I mean, truthfully, 20 friends at a great meal. It sounds yeah. And I still remember going, I've never been to a wedding like it. And I don't know if I'll ever go to another wedding like it. It was, it's memorable. And I think that's when I try and, you know, I'm so on, on, onto this topic, Emily, and I so support it. Cause I feel like, you know, 
that everyone else that went to join Mark's wedding would have exactly the same feedback. And it's not just the food. It was a freaking fabulous celebration. But the fact that they chose to probably funnel this, I mean, it wasn't, I know that wasn't a cheap wedding in any way, um, but that was so important to them. And Joy had said to me, I could never have afforded to feed a hundred people uh, but we would have had to really cut back on the quality and that just wasn't mm-hmm. what we wanted. So I, I always tell that story because it's obviously it sat with us um, and we every time we go to a good restaurant, we're like, is it as good as key? Mm, no. No, still not. No. And you know what's really cool about that too? When you're doing an intimate destination wedding, you get to give people a weekend experience yeah. and not just one ceremony, you know, not just the ceremony and reception, you're really yeah. getting this, this like almost vacation with people that you love all in one place. And so that that's personally why I love those. I can't imagine anything better than just having some time with people that are really important doing fun things. And when we've done all sorts of really cool experience type things, uh, but we just, when you're planning for fewer people, you can do that. Cause again, it allows for more money in the budget than having a full rehearsal dinner or a full, you know, 200 person wedding, you get to have everybody for everything. Oh, please tell me about some of these cool things you've done. Oh my goodness. I have done, well, again, I'm in New Orleans. And so a lot of the things that I do kind of revolve around that, but I have taken people on like morning swamp tours outside of the city (laughs) through the swamp. And then we've had crawfish boils in the afternoon. Uh, We've done full seated dinners. We've done brunches at five-star restaurants. And so what we really try to do because it's a destination city is show people a little bit of, of all these different things about new Orleans or, you know, where, whatever city we're in, we don't want to give them the same experience Friday and Saturday and Sunday. We want them every day to be doing something different than the day before. I really love that. And I think sometimes, especially if you're planning a wedding in your hometown, but if you have people coming and, you know, flying in and traveling to give them an authentic experience, exactly what you said, going on a swamp tour, that's, I love that so much. Oh, but it was to- a huge hit. It oh. really was. It was a huge hit. We go, oh, took a minibus yeah. there. We had cocktails on the way. I mean, you can't do it <laughs> everywhere, but in New Orleans you can. Um, but, you know, we just, we turn everything into a party. Oh, it sounds brilliant. I think to have that experience and actually think outside a little bit of, of what, you know, rather than just going to, you know, the venue, doing the stuff mm-hmm. to actually spread it out. And I also love, just to go back to the point you made, to extend the time because, you know, normal quote weddings, they're done in eight hours. The whole day right. is over. So oh, for you, sure. If you can have a weekend with these people more, oh my gosh, amazing. Mm-hmm. Yes, can all stay in one place. I mean, we have smaller boutique type hotels, and this is something I'm researching for a spring intimate wedding right now of 20 people. But we have a boutique hotel that has like 13 rooms total and a rooftop bar. So instead of everybody staying at this huge hotel, we're renting out this entire hotel for this wedding party. And so everybody will be staying there together. They'll be having their meals together. They can hang out on the rooftop together at night. And so it's just a much more intimate, obviously, feeling yeah. than than others. And and I think it takes the pressure off of the bride when it comes to like the to-do list of everything that has to do. Oh my goodness, I have to go get favors for 200 people. I have to check all these welcome bags for 200 people. I have to, like, it just kind of takes the pressure off of you to also enjoy your event, which is something I'm a big advocate for. Hopefully you're only going to get married once and you need to enjoy it. Hell yeah. And I also think when you strip back 
if you're willing to make the step and go, all right, I'm only going to say, and I say 20 people, intimate wedding could be 40 people. It doesn't. It could, yes. Whatever we you consider want. it under, we usually say two to 50. Yeah. So I like the idea also that you can cut the fat in the sense of if you don't want to have welcome bags or you don't want to have favors, you don't have to do any of that anyway. But you the don't. idea that you go hire the hotel or get on a boat or, you know, let's let's go somewhere else that's a bit different and you don't have to have all that extra stuff i love this freedom that it brings as well i'm not a fan of stuff oh me neither honestly stuff is and i wish i could tell every bride this guests do not remember the stuff no they they don't they remember food and experiences and all of these other things they do not remember custom signage to match oh. in the bathroom. <laughs> I do I... it. Don't get me wrong. I do it. But guests don't remember it. So. You know, Emily, a few weeks ago, I had an episode which became a little bit of a mini hit and I wasn't expecting it. But just go with me here. It was called The Fuck It Bucket. Um, and uh... it, it was basically a big list of stuff that you can put in that bucket because it doesn't matter. And a lot of it was stuff. It was these sort of little details that, as you said, favours that people are just going to eat when they're drunk or leave on the table or throw away in a cab or programs. Like we, yes. you don't need to be told to sit and wait. You know what's going to happen. And if you don't know what's going to happen, just go along for the ride. You're right. going to be it's fine. Like, they're adults. Yeah. It's like just sit there and watch. You don't need instructions. And so the fuck it bucket has become this – It's I love it so much because in our Facebook community, people say, I'm really worried about doing – they don't speak like that, by the way. But they say, right. I – none of our people speak like that. But they're like, I'm a little worried about what to do with bridesmaids' gifts. And I'm like, ditch it, put it in the fuck it bucket. Bridesmaids don't care about a novelty necklace or that a wine everybody bottle. everybody else. Oh, they really don't. They cares? really don't. We don't – we don't care, and I don't. I can tell you, I haven't been to hundreds of weddings, but I can say, of all the weddings I've been to, if you ask me about favors, I cannot remember, except for one that was quite tacky. But that's me being judgy. I cannot remember what they gave us favors. I don't give a shit. I just don't care. You've got to well, let go. And honestly, as a wedding planner, I see the leftovers. Oh yes, stuff, and they're Please. scattered everywhere, and no one's picking them up. And I mean, this is a topic for another day, but it's just—it's such a waste. Like a favors war zone, just yes. It's like desolate. oh, okay. You know, it's because it's at the end of the night. No one's focusing on that. Like no. they're like, oh yeah, okay. Like we're going out after this. You know, like yeah, they where just am I going to put the? Yeah, where am I going to shove the almonds? I've got nowhere to put them. I, I agree, and I think that's a going back to the idea that you go cut that stuff out invest your money elsewhere where you're actually going to be able to enjoy it you're going to be fine yes i totally agree so emily let's just talk through um let's just get through the sort of big points if people are considering either starting from scratch and only having an intimate wedding from scratch or if they've got this bigger list and they're like actually this is my bag just if you can just talk through how to go about sort of making that decision, but then working with the planner, what are the main points in an intimate wedding that you think are the successful sort of keys to just getting it right? Well, I can tell you that most of our intimate wedding brides are much more relaxed. They've already, by the time they've made the decision to have an intimate wedding, they've already focused in on the things that are important to them. And so the process is a lot easier um, from a planning perspective, not because there's less work, because we still do all the details. It's still the same sort of planning experience. Um, It's just 
easier to kind of go through that when, you know, again, 20 people versus 200 people or 50 people or whatever it is. Um, so the planning process is very similar. It, you're almost more, you're almost opened up to a whole different world of possibilities with intimate mm. weddings because larger weddings, uh, there are only so many venues that can accommodate larger groups. Mm. So you're going to be more restricted when it comes to like ballrooms or hotels or venues that have to be much larger. When you're planning intimate weddings, it could be anywhere. I mean, you can bring 20 to 50 people almost anywhere. So your choices for venue, obviously first is just a lot more open and there's a lot more possibilities than, than planning for a large event. And, and flexibility then, too, don't you oh, think? Oh, so Emily? much flexibility. And, and another thing, and now that you mention it, cause this is probably 80% of our intimate weddings this year are on a weekday. Wow. Instead of a weekend, which we love because we're like, oh, it's a week. It's weekday and our work is done. Um, It's a nice change. (laughs) But yes, because you're bringing these 20 people, they're turning it into a vacation anyway. A lot of them are much more flexible with dates. So we have one bride in um, spring who's working around a concert date. She wanted to go to a concert on a Tuesday night. Her wedding's on a Monday night. (laughs) And so like truthfully that they want to do that. Like kick off their honeymoon is there this Tuesday night. That's great. And so Monday night's their wedding. Everybody's coming in on Sunday. It's going to be the same experience. It's just going to be more of a vacation than, than a Saturday. And the great thing about that is that although intimate weddings aren't always concerned with budget as in reducing the budget, yeah. when you're more flexible, you can get a lot of great deals and you can stretch your money even more. Great point. Such a great point. And do you think, I mean, I don't think, I'm really open to the idea of a weekday wedding I don't think there's any as long as you give people an opportunity to plan their lives I don't think yes. there's anything wrong with that you're not springing on the weekday before. weddings yeah I, love, I absolutely do and and vendors as a whole do I think it's just something that's different you know every time I ask a photographer if they want to do a weekday wedding they're like are you kidding me yes definitely <laughs> because we're so used to working on Saturdays it's just a nice change of pace and yeah. so, you know, we're not, we're not competing with other brides on that day. Usually it's not in the hotel, 500 wedding guests. It's just, it's, it's very streamlined and, and much more laid back. That's nice. And, and I think, as you said, a lot more room for negotiation if there's negotiation to be had as well. It's good. Oh, absolutely. Always, always. Um, I'm, I feel so enthusiastic about this and I know that the Bridechiller community will have a lot to say. And, and as I said, Bridechiller Bridget started this conversation just this week and people have gone off just saying, like in a good way, saying, yeah, we've ditched, uh, we are considering really downgrading and also people saying that they started planning the big wedding and then either moved to a destination wedding or completely changed it and just said, we're just going to get married in a restaurant or we're going to go somewhere else. So I do think it's never too late. Yeah. Never too late to consider. Yes. Never too late. Oh, this has been very insightful, Emily. Tell us a little bit about how we can get in touch with you, especially if we're considering coming to New Orleans and getting hitched. Yes. Um, so my website is emilysullivanevents.com. Those are also all of our social media handles um, at Emily Sullivan Events. But we do have special Instagram feed that's specifically for our intimate weddings. We just Great. posted a new one on there as well. That's a um, as was like about thirty six people at a plantation um, in southern Louisiana, and it was so pretty. One of my favorites. Um, 
Intimate weddings do tend to be my favorites, by the way. I don't know why. They're just special. Uh, but that handle is Intimate Weddings by Emily, and you can uh, research that website and those social media handles as well. So while we do all shapes and sizes, we, we are leaning, to more, leaning more towards specializing in intimate events. Oh, that's great. I think it's an excellent niche or niche <laughs> to be a part of because mm-hmm. I think more and more people, especially the bride chiller style people, are starting to realize what um, – what they value and that doesn't necessarily mean value attached to money but also what they value in experience and far more experience over going having that big flashy day that no one really cares yes it's all about experience right now it really is I I would say 90% of the clients I talk to one of the first questions I always ask is what's most important to you and they almost always respond with I want my guests to have a fantastic time You know, I want this to be something different than they've done before. And I really want it to be a reflection of us and not everyone else. Yeah. And and I think it all comes back to that moment where you sit with your partner before you meet anyone else and actually have that conversation about expectations. Because I think a lot of the time we skip ahead and it's like, man, the other person doesn't, you know, would rather just sit on a a bus and get married who knows you know if you don't have that conversation you never and, know. and you know we discuss intimate weddings but elopements as well i mean we yeah. have done some phenomenal elopements with private dinner private chef dinners and um you know just experiences that you can have together with with under five people so um i, I definitely think that's worth considering too yeah an elopement doesn't mean you have to not tell anyone or ditch everyone Correct. either does it it, it I think people not. assume it means you're going away on the cover under the cover of darkness, but it means you can bring your people. It just means yeah. you're going away. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oi, this is very. I feel all g'd up. I want to go and plan something now, Emily. <laughs> You say that now. <laughs> well, I don't. People say to me, when they don't know about the podcast, um, in my day job, Emily, I'm a TV producer, and I try not to really cross over the two worlds because people get confused, and they instantly say, oh, are you a wedding planner? I'm like, hell no. I leave that to the professionals. I'm just a virtual bridesmaid, professional big mouth, and I just like talking <laughs> about weddings. I'm like, these it. are... Wedding planners and coordinators are the warriors of the wedding community, and I am not getting anywhere near your business. I just said to my friend this morning, as we gear up to do, we're gonna work. We're gonna do two weddings a week until November seventeenth. So I'm like, I'm having anxiety. But I just said to my friend, I sort of feel like wedding season is like survival of the fittest. You know, who can make it through? That's what we do for a wedding. You are, you are. It is like the survive. It is literally like survivor. You just all got to yes. like put your buffs on, try and stay calm, be strategic, don't show that you're nervous. Oh, never, never. Gosh. Just game face. Just put your game yeah. face on. And you're very good at that. Oh, Emily, thank you. Thank you. This has been a real pleasure and I, I know a lot of people will find value and hopefully will be inspired to maybe uh, take a different path if they're not happy. And if you are happy with the big wedding, great. Enjoy yourself. Yes, even so. We support Something you. for everybody. Thank exactly. you so much, Alicia. Thank you, Emily, for appearing on the Brian Chiller Podcast and sharing your amazing skills, techniques, and advice. I hope you have uh, found value in today's show. If you have and you enjoyed it, tell your friends. That's the best advertising money can't buy. Uh, it is the personal recommendation. I wanted to thank people for joining the Bride Chiller community and adding their friends as well. We've had lots of lovely messages from people saying, I didn't know you existed. Hello good one. I'm enjoying this program a lot. 
If you would like to buy some merch, if you would like to subscribe to the show, it all helps me in the running costs and uh, just bloody, it's tops. So thank you. Visit thebridechiller.com for more information. Until next week's episode of the show, I say stay happy, stay positive, throw all the shit that you don't want in the fuck it bucket and have a good time. Happy days. The Bride Chiller Podcast, empowering you to kick wedding planning ass every day.